Hello and welcome to Unsolicited Bridge Picks. This is Brie Bills coming to you with a podfast. Just a quick update. Charles does not want to put out too much about Brandon Del Pozo and risk our podcasts turning into a one prick pony. But I wanted to address the latest op-ed from this rising star in police reform and my favorite expert in sophistry. A lot of the quotes and the information that I'm putting into this little podcast is from Minnesota Public Radio News Reporting and a couple of other articles. I will post all of the links in the description on SoundCloud. A wise man once told me that it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. So here we go. Brandon Del Pozo continues to argue with straw man versions of defund or abolish the police, showcasing his inability to engage in meaningful discussion with people with whom he differs in opinion, all the while asserting intentionally misleading information. So Del Pozo contributed to the New York Daily News with an opinion piece called The Way Forward on Police Reform on November 18th, 2020. I'm going to take five or 10 minutes to talk about his stance here and how it's deeply misleading in several ways. So here we go. Number one. First of all, he falsely claims that Minneapolis City Council voted to abolish the police. In his defense, there was a great deal of confusion about what the city council intended in their proposal, but he uses abolish here as the most provocative tack he can take. Minneapolis City Council member Andrew Johnson said he never uses this word because, quote, it comes with a lot of baggage, needlessly generates fear, and results in confusion by omitting important context, end quote. Not one of the city council members has supported abolishing police or importantly, doing away with policing. All right, number two, Brendan Del Pozo implies that in 2020, quote, shootings and homicides soared, end quote, because of the city council's pledge to defund the police. Del Pozo says that, quote, police officers read the writing on the wall, probably the literal writing that said defund the police, and consequently jumped ship. He ignores the pandemic and Floyd protests and glosses over the possibility that police are campaigning in retaliation to defund the police movements. This is also misleading, given that the article he cites issues a caveat, quote, experts say homicide numbers are volatile and caution against reading too much into large year-over-year swings, end quote. So first of all, to be clear, the city council has hardly done anything to defund the police department. The city council moved 1.1 million from the police to the health department to fund violence interrupters who would mediate conflicts and head off further trouble, according to Minnesota Public Radio News reporting. $1.1 million was just over half a percentage point of MPD's budget of $193 million. 0.56 of a percentage point. The biggest potential factor that we probably shouldn't overlook, Brandon, for an increase in shootings and homicides is the global pandemic we're living through, which has resulted in the closure of community recreation centers, parks, and schools, in short, a dissolution of the safety net that otherwise supports young people, the exacerbation of the underlying crime factors, such as inadequate housing, systemic racism, poverty, and other forms of neglect, which have, of course, hit marginalized communities the hardest, widespread job losses that hit Black workers the hardest, with nearly one in two Black workers having applied for unemployment benefits since mid-March, and programs like Next Step, which is a hospital bedside intervention program devised to reduce gun violence, have been upended quote, making it harder to reach gang members before they can retaliate. Beyond the pandemic, 
the article is quoted in saying, gangs used the post-Floyd unrest as cover to settle long-standing beefs. This unrest also contributed to the ongoing distrust of law enforcement that may have compounded crime. All of those little factoids come from the Star Tribune article that Brandon linked to in his op-ed. So we've got these two huge social changes, the global pandemic and the protests around George Floyd's killing. But then, importantly, Brandon glosses over the idea that many police officers may, as he puts it, be doing the minimum after hearing the city council was looking for some drastic changes. NPR gives us this more accurate picture from city council members. They report that the community is complaining that police officers are not responding to calls. The city council members say their constituents reported that, quote, officers on the street have admitted that they're purposely not arresting people who are committing crimes, or that officers are telling residents that they are overworked and understaffed. Council members suggest the police may be, quote, staging a work slowdown in response to criticism. Council President Lisa Bender said, quote, I think it's possible they are essentially campaigning, either politically because they don't support the council member or in some cases the mayor, or perhaps they think that they are making the case for more resources for the department. So where are we? One, city council didn't vote to abolish the police. Two, shooting and homicide numbers are much more complex than just saying that, wow, we really need police. And now three, he implies that advocates for defunding the police expect to do so in, quote, one budget cycle, stating that they are merely loud voices with no plan. There's an undercurrent, of course, of condescension as he points out that activists can't grasp these complex systems because sociologists just don't understand our country's institutions in comparison with a philosophy. So first quote from Brandon, advocates for rapid defunding don't grasp that reforming the complex systems people depend on for critical services takes more than one budget cycle. Is it really that strenuous to go through some of the proposed plans and explain why you think they wouldn't work? To give an example of proposals to overhaul police force in a single budget cycle? Why do you insist that advocates for defunding police, which for many advocates is an iteration of police reform, have no plan? Because it kind of feels like a fear tactic. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Throughout his op-ed, Del Pozo discusses the October 26th killing of Walter Wallace, a black man who died at the guns of police in Philadelphia. In discussing this incident, he almost addresses a proposal for defunding police. He says, quote, that Wallace was armed with a knife reveals the limits of replacing police with social workers. I say that he was needlessly killed reveals the limits of bringing a gun to a knife fight, which I know Del Pozo agrees with. Now, I'm not intimately familiar with this case, but I'm not sure that this is an example of something that social workers could not have handled, as social workers de-escalate individuals with knives and other weapons on a regular basis. And we could speculate about whether or not it's a sexist assumption that social workers, a workforce that is overwhelmingly female, are not adequately prepared to deal with this type of danger. But that's an aside. Moreover, straw man alert, Real people proposing real solutions are not advocating to replace law enforcement with social workers. For example, Minneapolis council members largely agree on the idea of transferring some police responsibilities to social workers so that police can focus on responding to and investigating crime. And last of the misleading assertions that I'm going to address today is four. Del Pozo implies that abolishing the police means, quote, an end to policing. Now, policing as a verb is not entirely clear, but again, rather than an end to public safety or to employing people who secure that safety, 
we want to replace an institution that applies its duty to protect public safety unequally and ineffectually with something that will create justice and safety in our communities. The plans discussed in Minneapolis include replacing a police force with a variety of public safety forces, including one that polices as a verb. City Councilor Philippe Cunningham points out that people associate the word abolish with getting rid of all law enforcement. He says he favors a new standalone public safety system, which includes law enforcement. <sighs> now, the kicker is Brandon Del Pozo's ever so eloquent closing to his op-ed, which is, quote, We should help America's police officers fairly, safely, and effectively do the life-saving work we need and expect from them not further destabilize and harm vulnerable communities by listening to loud voices with no plan. Wow. Again, misleading in so many ways. Efforts to defund the police, and in many cases what people mean by abolish the police, is doing exactly that. Defunding the police is aimed at law enforcement that is effective. Law enforcement that doesn't put the lives of vulnerable citizens at risk just for the way they look or where they live. While getting into the definitions of defund or abolish the police is beyond the scope of this podcast, I think it is fair to say that Brandon Del Pozo is completely ignoring the meat and potatoes of those arguments and instead choosing to fearmonger and hold up straw men that he easily casts aside. Don't lose sight of the fact that advocates for defunding or abolishing the police want to put experts in place who will best serve and protect our communities. So thanks for tuning in to my little unhinged rant. Remember to follow us on Twitter at unsolicitedvt where you too can get blocked by Brandon Del Pozo. Stay safe, stay thankful, and keep it coming with Oliver Mont's wonder and none of its trolls. Mm -hmm.